You're listening to Fatima Today, the official podcast of the World Apostolate of Fatima USA, a public association of the faithful dedicated to spreading the authentic message of Fatima. Now, here's your host. Welcome everyone to Fatima Today. My name is Barb Ernster, your host. I'm the National Coordinator for the World Apostle of Fatima. I'm joined today by Father Luke Mary Fletcher from the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. He's our Shrine Chaplain at our Blue Army Shrine in Washington, New Jersey. Welcome, Father Luke. Thank you, Barb. Nice to see you again. So we are going to be addressing the July 13th apparition, and the we're going to be talking about hell. Uh, the children had received a vision of hell on that day. And I find it interesting that St. Faustina, just uh, 17, 18 years later, she also received a vision of hell. The two, uh, Lucia and Faustina, describe their vision very similarly. Um, it's early 20th century. There's not a whole lot of saints that have had a vision of hell. And so we want to talk about that today, and especially their um, reaction to this. You know, St. Faustina talks about she was commanded by God to testify that she had seen hell because so many people don't want to believe in hell. And in fact, many of the souls she saw there and witnessed were people who did not believe in its existence. And so the reaction of the, the three seers and Sister Faustina was very much the same. It propelled them to a greater desire to do sacrifice and prayer for those who are possibly you know, near damnation. And that's what I find very interesting. But Father, in today's culture, people don't want to talk about hell. Well, that's true, Barb. And certainly in, in the years of being a priest, doing ministry as a friar, I'll tell you how it's amazing how often this topic has come up, has come up. Mm -hmm. People hear about uh, hell and even sometimes people share their experience of when I was younger, you know, the nuns would wrap our knuckles with a ruler and the, the sermons were always hell and, and threatening and it was scary. And it was like fear motivated religion, you know, like what they call your faith is like fire, you know, fire insurance, you know, like just in case there is a hell, like we, we should try to behave and do good. And, and then, um, but there are deeper levels maybe a little more serious levels by which I've had conversations with people who've sincerely shared, how do we, on the one hand, believe that God loves us, that he's all loving, he's all merciful, Jesus, the mercy, the forgiveness. And yet, on the other hand, this teaching, this belief from the Bible to the history of the church, that there is this place called hell, the imagery of hell, this place of fire and demons and suffering and all of that. How do we hold these two together? Um, some people feel like, well, if it's true that God is all loving and merciful, I can't believe that an all loving, merciful God would have would do that. Or it seems unfair that if you you have a, a sin or make a mistake the, to, to get an eternal sentence of suffering. Just doesn't feel like just like and so people on a maybe more deeper adult mature level could wrestle with this question and so i think it's a great topic as you had shared um, much to the shock of everyone i think even uh, venerable sister lucia later on writing about this event um, 
would kind of acknowledge like, yeah, why, why would God show something like that to children? You know, is that, well, I guess in our words today, we say, is that age appropriate? <laughs> you know, right. And then as you point out in a contemporary setting, we have the great St. Faustina, the tremendous divine mercy devotion. And in her diary as well, we read about her having this experience, the vision of hell, which is quite a, a sobering and sombering topic and the seriousness of that. And um, so I think it's, it really is worth kind of exploring that a little bit. Um, so I'm grateful for the opportunity. Thank you. Well, and, you know, Lucia said the question was put to her, how is it that Jacinta, small as she was, let herself be possessed by such a spirit of mortification and penance and understood it so well? Lucia answered it was from that vision of hell, that God had granted her a special grace through the Immaculate Heart of Mary to desire these uh, penances. And second, it was because she had looked upon hell and had seen the ruin of souls who fall therein. And Lucia had also commented that, um, you know, Jacinta was filled with such horror from the vision that every penance and mortification that she took on was nothing in her eyes to prevent souls from going there. She would even ask Lucia, how is it? Why doesn't God show hell to everybody? They would never commit another sin. St. Faustina's reaction was very similar. She said, you know, after seeing the vision of hell, she never wanted to commit a sin again. So it, the, the stark reality of this vision where they saw the burning flames, there was flames and fire and their bodies and their souls were consumed by this fire. Jesus talks about being consumed by the fire of his love. So there's burning, there's a burning love on the one side in heaven, this where your heart is aflame with love for God. And Jacinta also experienced that burning where she said, I feel the fire in my heart that causes me to love Jesus and Mary even more. And then on the other hand, there's the burning flames of eternal damnation. And so there's always a yin and a yang. Jesus certainly didn't shy away from talking about hell. If you're going to be a Christian and believe follower of Christ, you can't deny this part. And he says the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And so we can go from there. You know, when we're trying to talk to people, people in this day and age don't want to feel judged. And anytime you admonish the sinner, you're judging them. And so right. it's easy to deny its existence. Yeah, Barb, I think you're, you're really hitting it, the nail on the head there, as a carpenter would say. <laughs> and that is certainly kind of where we are right now. And um, I do believe there is a danger of kind of presenting the, the good news of the gospel the message of Jesus and the invitation to forgiveness of sin and salvation. Uh, God, you know, overemphasizing the idea of welcome, all are welcome, you know, and we reject nobody, God, you know, but leaving out the repentance part. Right. And uh, the reality, which is clearly there in scripture, it's clearly there in the teachings of Jesus. It's clearly there in the 2000 year history of the church, including official church teaching. It's there in the catechism, so well articulated in the catechism, and then confirmed by private revelations, such as the visions at Fatima or the mystical experiences of someone like St. Faustina. And so in some ways, it's uh, a topic that really can't be or shouldn't be ignored. And yet I want to also sympathize with people who struggle to understand that 
And that's uh, so why, you know, as I had shared, I've had this conversation with so many people over the years. They see a priest and, Father, I have this question, you know, and sometimes if a person has scrupulosity or, you know, that there's, there is a fear factor that's there where is obsessively worrying, am I going to hell or did I commit the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Am I doomed? And certainly even in the history of theology, there have been a number of people who've gone off track explaining this, you know, and what we, we would call her, her, heretics, you know, a, a heretical teaching there. Um, and so I think it's important to revisit the topic to understand maybe in a better context on a deeper level, how do we understand this? And so this thing with hell, you ask the question, well, why with both Fatima and Sister Faustina, why did God feel like this was something we needed? And if you think about the context of the times, you know, World War One, World War Two, and in praying over that question, I, you know, have a, a little thought that I'd like to share. Um, I was thinking about the experience of people in the world, World War One, World War Two, and particularly in Europe, Poland, you know, where people experienced hell on earth right you know you think of war and even what might even be happening now and over the last hundred years or so statistically it's been the bloodiest period of history in the whole history of the planet the number of wars and people being killed and add on top of that the very difficult topic of abortion and it's like whoa it's an experience of what we could call hell on earth and i think that's a wonderful approach to take when exploring this topic, because what waits for us on the other side is either heaven or hell. I like to tell people when you die, your soul leaves your body. There's an elevator. Get in the one going up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but yeah. that what's waiting for us has a deep connection to what we're already experiencing now. You know, that, that there's an experience of hell that could be happening now. And in some ways, for those who reject God's mercy and go to hell eternally, it's somewhat of the, the fruit of a long process. Or conversely, heaven, you know, that what waits for us in heaven, there's uh, an experience of the life of heaven even now through grace, through virtue, through charity, through um, the experiences of our faith journey. And so... That's a, a great way to, to approach the topic. Um, we know that God is not, um, what, what's the word when somebody doesn't really care? Um, Apathy. God is not indifferent regarding good and evil. You know, good and evil are real things. You know, there really is such a thing as good and there really is such a thing as evil. And in our hearts, I think we intuit that reality, right? So if somebody does something good and beautiful, this is a natural response to, to be thankful or to pray, thank you, or to praise it. That, that was very good. You know, you, but on the opposite side, when somebody does something bad or evil, th there's a natural reaction like, that wasn't right, or how dare you, or in some cases, to be arrested and to be tried and to be sentenced. It is completely and totally appropriate. And so that dynamic of justice and mercy, which sometimes are pitted against each other, 
-hmm. you know, in, in Christianity, Catholicism, the teachings of Jesus, both his love is his love is expressed both in his justice and in his mercy. Both justice and mercy are an expression of God's love. And that God is not indifferent to good and evil. That's very clear from the Bible that how we live matters. What we believe affects how we behave. And that um, God is promising us and giving us every motivation, a, a reward awaits, for, awaits us for striving for goodness and holiness and charity and gestures of charity. You think of the spiritual works of mercy, the corporal works of mercy, and in the language of Jesus, your father will reward you. Yes. And then the, the other side, the people who do evil things and commit sins, there, there is uh, a sense in which there's the justice and the accountability. I'll share with you a funny story. Um, I was in a theological doctoral program, which I ended up not finishing because I came to the shrine instead. But anyways, I enjoyed the classes. And um, one year on my birthday, I was writing a paper on the doctrine of hell. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I remember in the evening and I'd been working on this thing. I'd been researching and, and chewing on the topic. And I remember having a moment of prayer. I was like, Lord, this is so ironic, like of all things to be doing on my birthday, you know, like you think of all your birthdays. And um, there was a moment of insight that really helped me. And as I was thinking about, you know, looking at all the passages in the Bible, looking at the passages of official church teaching and places such as the catechism that kind of offer an explanation of this reality, as you had said, St. Faustina, when she said, there's a lot of people in hell are the people who said it didn't exist, <laughs> you know? And um, there was an insight that came from St. Augustine, which I thought was really powerful. And um, one of his writings that I researched, he talked about the existence of the devils. So it's not just damned humans, people who die in mortal sin, people who reject God's offer for mercy, but there are also demons there. And um, that St. Augustine kind of muses that on the one hand, God created all angels good. So even Lucifer himself was originally good. The good God doesn't create good and evil. He only creates good. But even the angels were given some sort of test, some sort of uh, option to choose to accept God or reject God. And there's different theological um, theories on what that test looked like. But the reality is, is that some of the angels, that the all-loving God allowed some of the angels to, what we would say, misuse their free will and to reject God. And those are the demons. Mm -hmm. And so the existence of demons, which almost nobody would deny nowadays, like how many podcasts and movies are there about exorcism, you know, and all the experience of evil, that um, something similar could be said for humans that, you know, that they could follow the same path that the demons followed in giving themselves over to sin and a rejection of God, a rejection of what is good and true and beautiful. And that possibility is there for everyone. And certainly it's frightening. And that's the effect that we see in the Fatima children and in Sister Faustina, St. Faustina. It, not a fear in the sense of like, it says in the Bible, perfect love casts out all fear, but just like uh, a deeper conviction of the gravity of this topic mm -hmm. and the, the piece that often goes missing, which is the piece that I always make sure I include 
when I talk about this topic, let, let's say in a homily or giving talks here at the Shrine, is that the offering of this vision is actually an act of mercy. Right. That the Lord gives this vision, you know, as, as an appropriate medicinal warning of a loving father, you know, that, hey, if you don't kind of straighten out, like this is a potential option for you and the, the horrificness of it, you know, whether it be the flames and the, obviously there's some sort of spiritual metaphor at work there that's seeking to help us comprehend. How can we comprehend the things of the supernatural is the, the awfulness of it. And um, what the church teaches and, and other mystics have confirmed that the, the greatest pain in hell is the absence of God. Right. The God that whom we're made for, you know, and all the opposite of what in heaven, we're with God, we're in communion. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's happiness, it's it's loving relationships with God and each other. Hell is the reverse, right? It's cold. It's isolation. It's, uh, it's the it's, pain and the suffering. And, you know, it's interesting. People, they don't want to talk about hell, but they also don't want to embrace God's mercy. The beautiful message that St. Faustina spread okay. throughout the world. And John Paul II talked throughout all of the, you know, late 70s, 80s, 90s, warning us about that we were trying to build a new creation without reference to the creator. So we have been for decades walking away from God, trying to make life without him. And, and in that scenario, you can do whatever you want because there's no, there's not going to be any consequences. Right. There's no responsibility. And what, what are we seeing today in the world? People are constantly needing to be apologized to, but there's no forgiveness. Yeah. You're always accused of hate yeah. and we don't know what love is. Um, yeah. We don't want to be judged. In danger of being, you're in danger of being canceled at every corner, you know? Right. And so we're, we have built a creation without reference to the creator. And, and in that creation, we have driven out what love really is. And we've driven out mercy. And, and so we're choosing. And, and so I think that the, the fact that these saints now, St. Faustina, St. Jacinta, St. Francisco, and now Venerable Sister Lucia, saw this vision at the beginning of the 20th century because they both had great missions to carry forward. You know, the, the message of Our Lady after the three children had seen the vision of hell was, you've seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go. To save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. Her Immaculate Heart is going to be a means that's going to lead you to God. She gives them a prayer that day that yes. we all say after the rosary. Oh, my Jesus, it is for love of you. I'm sorry, not that soul. It's the decade prayer. Oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins. Save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. Lucia said that Jacinta would be on her knees for hours and hours praying that prayer over and over again. And she felt those last words, especially those in most need of thy mercy, was to be pleading for forgiveness and reparation for those who were closest to being damned. And then we have St. Faustina, who's yeah. given the great mission of telling the world about God's ocean of mercy, that even the greatest sinner has, what it, I don't remember how he always says it, the, 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 the most serious sinner has the greatest right to my mercy. He's trying to get right. people to understand, I'm here ready to forgive you, and he's wanting them to accept him. And he teaches us this chaplet of mercy, and that this can stave off you know, this can help save souls. So both of them, both visions lead to 
a greater desire to pray for souls, for conversions, because God wants all of us in heaven. But we don't want to okay, accept Barbara, that. You right? <laughs> Go ahead. I, I love what you just shared right there. And are you ready to get to the best part of this topic? Love it. <laughs> what do we do? Okay, right. this has been given. There's the story. Right. You know, this is what happened. The, the children of Fatima, St. Faustina. So, okay, what's the takeaway? What do we do with this? And here we go. That prayer that Mother Mary asked to be said at the end of each decade of the rosary. Oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins. Save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. That prayer is so fascinating because what it does is it expands the heart. We often pray for all sorts of things, our loved ones, our family members, those we care for. But this prayer is an invitation to pray for the entire world and in the midst of the entire world. Like this is like the most, the largest possible prayer in the, in the midst of everybody who's on planet earth right now. Th those who are on the list of most in need of God's mercy, those who are in the in danger of dying and, and going to hell, and it's very similar to the scope of the prayers that God gave to St. Faustina. Right. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. Right. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. It's like an invitation because God knew just like the entire world was getting to such a bad place. That, that we've been given like these tools and these means to pray and intercede like for the, the global level and uh, to know that both Fatima and the Divine Mercy tend to have a global scope. Right. Like what's being said there is, you know, it's like this isn't just for this country or this village or, you know, sometimes there'd be a private revelation that maybe it's just for a little area. But in this case, we have a private revelation that seems to give commentary on what's happening in the whole world. You think of that praying for Russia and the errors of Russia, which is clearly atheistic communism, which is really a political version of the idea that God doesn't exist and we can do whatever we want. That's what that is. And in the midst of that movement, which is clearly being guided by demons, what can we do? Well, I think in the gospel where Jesus said, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. And I think this invitation to pray and to do penance, both at Fatima and St. Faustina, is an invitation to participate in a worldwide exorcism, a spiritual warfare where we're praying, we're taking authority, we're binding and casting out evil spirits to make room for God's grace in a special way for people who find themselves most in need. I think that that is incredibly important and profoundly beautiful and also a great motivator. You know, we have great zeal and motivation for what we're doing in the apostolate. You know, you have the idea Fatima was 1917. That was over a hundred years ago. St. Sister Faustina was almost a hundred years ago. Like, is it still valid in our world today? And I think, you know, obviously we have a deep conviction. It's more valid now than ever before. Didn't a few popes say that? Yes. And, and it's because I think we're understanding it more now. We see what's happening in the world right. and we're feeling it. We don't know what to do. 
But what did Our Lady ask those little children? Pray these simple prayers. Be, come into my Immaculate Heart. Learn yes. from me. And, and just do what I'm asking you to do. We try to make things too complicated. I'm telling I just got out of seeing the, the movie Sound of Freedom. I was yeah. speechless afterwards in the sense of how sinful our world is and how uncaring so many people are towards the innocence of children. It leaves you in a grip of just, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. But it propelled me to want to pray more and to, you know, God's calling us to this mission. And he called these three little children. He showed hell to a six-year-old and he shows, you know, St. Faustina wasn't, I don't know how old she was at the time, but, you know, she said, I was commanded to testify to this. I was commanded to let yes. people know they have no excuse to say there is no hell. That's not going to be an excuse when you stand before God. I also like to remind people what uh, Mary told the children in the August apparition. Pray for those who have no one to pray for them because so many people go to hell because there's no one to pray and make sacrifice. So she's emphasizing to us to do these prayers, to um, come into this apostolate, learn from Mary. Her heart would have been expanded to include a love for all of mankind. Jesus would have given that to her because she was so united with his heart. And to understand that God's mercy is an ocean but there is also his justice. And Jesus warned about that in the diary of St. Faustina. This is the time of my mercy. When we face this justice, it's not going to be pretty, but it's going to be necessary and purifying. And coming out of a movie like Sound of Freedom, you're almost inviting God to come down and purify us because it's so horrible. But it does, it did what? that. I saw hell on that screen <laughs> in a different way. Yes. And it did propel me to want to do more prayer and sacrifice. Barb, I'm so happy you mentioned that. I was hoping you would mention that. So, yeah, as we're recording this podcast, this movie, Sound of Freedom, have just come out. Um, friends of mine wrote and directed that. These are the guys who did the movie Bella and Little Boy. And I, I, they stayed with our friary during Bella. So I'm friends with these guys, wonderful guys. Obviously, Jim Caviezel, who played Jesus in The Passion. And yeah, a lot of people are coming out of the movie talking about a somewhat of a wake up call to the reality of something that's happening that is so clearly evil. It's so deeply entrenched in the entire world, including the United States. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's a difficult topic, but also it's just like a wake up call and it's so important. And I love the way you're connecting it to our topic today in the sense of this call to prayer and penance reparation. It's, it's like uh, God, our Father, is inviting us to cooperate with the working of his grace. In theology, we call that the economy of grace. So the word economy is not exchanging of money and goods, but there's a spiritual reality of the way God's grace can be released and active in the world through members of the church, the body, you know, praying, interceding, and cooperating with the uh, we, I guess the releasing of graces, these devotions that we do, the penances that we perform. What did the angel tell the children of Fatima? That the hearts of Jesus and Mary are open to your supplication. And that God is letting us know that he's, he's listening to our prayers. He sees our efforts and he's blessing them. He's happy when we express our love for each other. You know, that it used to be considered that, well, praying for the dead is one of the spiritual works of mercy to pray and intercede and to help others. And we get to heaven, we're going to become more deeply aware of just how grace worked 
right. this kind of network. Uh, I don't know if you want to compare it like the spiritual internet. There's this kind of connection that's happening spiritually and that graces can be given to others. And I think when we get to heaven, we will be made aware of how many good things happened in our lives that those graces have been connected to prayers and sacrifices of people. Sometimes our families, right? Who, parents pray for their children, but even strangers, you know, the, all the monks and nuns in monasteries and convents who are living a life of intercession. And then also we'll become aware of how our prayers affected others, like this interconnectedness, which we call the communion of the saints, the way God's grace works. And um, this is certainly the inner reality of what's being told us at places like Fatima and the devotion of divine mercy that, um, God loves everybody. God's blessing everybody. He radiates blessings and goodness. But as a part of that, we're being invited to cooperate with the coming of this kingdom. And we do so through our own efforts. And I think that's important because how many of us could just sit there saying, well, what can little old me, what can I do? Or, you know, if I'm praying the rosary or I'm doing a first Saturday devotion or going to mass, going to confession, Eucharistic adoration, all those good things, does it actually make any difference in the world? And well, the devil would like when we get to heaven. Up. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's why I tell and, people. But all the my time hunch is when we get. Right. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I remind people that the devotion to the Immaculate Heart leads us to the consecration to the Immaculate Heart. And in that consecration, we're giving all to Jesus through Mary. We're letting her take the treasures that, of our prayers and sacrifices and apply the graces yeah. where God wants. We're not telling her where to put them. And so when all of us yeah. are praying and sacrificing and offering our wills to God every day and keeping our eyes focused on Christ and his great message of mercy and love, you know, we're creating that river of grace underneath all the fires that are going on on the surface. And we're letting God and Mary apply yeah. them where needed. And when we're in heaven someday too, we're going to thank those who prayed for us. I certainly needed lots of prayer in my life. Still do. <laughs> yeah. And so the the, the yes. grace is coming to us because of possibly somebody else's prayer or sacrifice. And so we can't yeah. we can't discount our our important part of this mission, no matter how small we are, our prayers and sacrifices are making a difference. And um hell is real, but God's mercy is there for all of us. God's love, we when they say love is love, we're not applying it to what God means when He loves, when He says I love you, or you know, the love of His Sacred Heart, and and so we have to study what what love really is, and we have to accept it. And um, I I just want to leave people on that on that note that we can help save souls by our prayers and sacrifices. Yes. Our work is important, and be part of this mission that Our Lady has called us to during this time, and that Saint Faustina was given this great mission that she felt totally unqualified for, but yet she kept moving forward. And now we have the great divine mercy message for all of us. And it includes both of them, a vision of hell. <laughs> so. Yes. I'm so happy to hear you highlight that part of it. And as you were sharing that, I was thinking about this passage from the gospel we had the other day at mass where Jesus says that even if you give a cup of cold water, you will receive a reward. Yes. And uh, when I gave the homily that day, I thought, like, this is amazing. The, the most, the, the, the easiest, minimalist act of charity. Here's a cup of water. You know, even that is noticed by God. And there's some sort of, in the language of Jesus, some sort of reward awaiting us. Like, so what does that mean? 
for like how I might live my life in, you know, my efforts at fidelity. Even when I fall, I get back up. I get to confession, like prayer, um, sacrifices and acts of charity, living our faith, doing what we can. Um, that again, the hunch is when we get to heaven, we are going to be in shock just to see how valuable these things are right there. So other saints have said that two things, the angels, um, what's the word they, um, are envious of us that we can receive Jesus in communion and that we can suffer and offer our sacrifices in union with Jesus. That uh, somehow in the mystery of God's plan, there's a tremendous spiritual power there. And uh, it's always worth reminding us and, and relooking at that because it, the more we look deeply into these mysteries, I think the more motivated we'll be, you know, especially in moments like today when everybody's feeling so discouraged and there's a, a temptation to think that evil is winning and that, and that good is lost and, you know, uh, temptations towards discouragement and despair, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the Fatima and Divine Mercy messages are more encouraging than ever before. And Father, I'm going to have to leave it at that, but I do want to remind people, pray for perseverance during this time and courage that we can keep our eyes on Christ. We can get through all this and that God is using us. And whenever I say that prayer now, after my decades of the rosary, oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. I will be thinking about the souls that are closest in, in to hell and that that prayer is going to have much more meaning to me. I hope it does for you too. So thank you for joining us today and we hope you'll join us again next time. Thank you.